What a new experience uh, for not only Hope Crossings, but for so many people, um, being in the situation that we're in. Uh, the world is in a very unusual situation, but certainly not a brand new one. And, uh, but we're, it may be brand new to us, but God is good, and God is giving us wisdom and discernment, and He's helping us uh, to manage this. So we're going to make it. We're going to get through this, and it's going to be okay. God's working all things together for good. We're always reminded of what Joseph said in the Old Testament. You know, somebody meant this for evil, but God was working it for good. So that's our promise today. And I believe in the middle of all this, God is proclaiming His Word uh, in new and unique ways to people that would not have heard it before. And so I just heard this past week about churches who were broadcasting their uh, worship services and for the first time. And there was actually more people watching online than were usually in attendance at the church. So more people are hearing the Word of God. And uh, actually reporting back, thank you for that broadcast. I gave my life to Christ because of it. So God is doing great things. And I think God's got a word for us today. And so I want to, uh, to jump into that as we look at what's happening in the world that we're in right now. People are searching for answers. People are tuning into uh, broadcast and trying to find answers to what's going on in life. And we looking, we're looking at the situation uh, in America and we're saying, this is not a great situation. God, what's going on? What do I need to do? Where are the answers? And people are searching for those answers. And so what I want to do today is, is to look into God's Word. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. You can go ahead and turn in your Bible or your tablets uh, to find that. But what we're going to do today is really look at a situation, an encounter that Jesus had with a woman. And... It was a situation where this woman realized that her situation wasn't what it was supposed to be. But then she also realized that it could be better and that it should be better. And once we get to the point where we realize that our situation isn't what it should be and it could be better, then we ask the next question is, what do I need to do and who do I need to call? What do I need to do? Who do I need to call? And this woman called on Christ. There was a uh, story told, and I'm sure you've probably heard it, about a young man who wanted to find wisdom. He wanted to be a wise man. And so he found a very old wise man in his village. And he went to this older, wiser man, and he said, Oh, man of wisdom, I want wisdom. Will you give me wisdom? And the older man said, Follow me. And they walked through the streets down to the beach and out into the ocean. And the young guy was following this older man. He's going like, I don't, I don't get this. What's going on? And so the older man grabbed the young man and said, now what do you want? And the young man said, oh, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. So the older man dunks this guy under the water and holds him under the water. And at first the young guy's just going like, this is weird. Okay, maybe this is how you get wisdom. So he tries to relax while he's being held underwater, but after a while, he needed to breathe, and so he starts wrestling and trying to get up, and the older man lifts him up and says, now, what is it that you wanted? And the young man said, oh, I want wisdom, I want wisdom. The older man puts him back under the water again, holds him there, the young man is fighting, trying to get free, he lifts him up. This happens a couple different times. Finally, the, 
The older man lifts him up and says, now what is it that you want? And finally, the young man said, I want air. And the wise man looked at him and said, when you want wisdom as much as you want air, you'll get it. Well, when we want God to answer our prayers, we have to be willing to pursue him. We have to be willing to say, God, you are the answer to my needs, and I am going to pursue you until I have what your word tells me that I can have. So we're going to look at a very intense moment that happened uh, in the life of a woman, and she came to Jesus for help. It's in Matthew chapter number 15. And we're going to read verses 21 through 28. And we're just going to kind of walk through this verse by verse. And uh, this isn't going to take a lot of time. But uh, let's begin reading there. Verse number 21 says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, uh, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Well, there's a couple of things that we uh, see initially and, and first and foremost is that this is a Canaanite woman. In other words, she's not Jewish. She's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. And the Canaanites and Israelites didn't exactly see eye to eye, and they didn't get along very well. There was, a, there was a lot of division there. And she comes to Jesus with an urgent need. She recognizes the situation my family is in, and particularly my daughter, is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to be better than this. It's supposed to be different. And so she comes to Jesus and she recognizes him as his title, the son of David. In other words, she's saying, I I believe you're the Messiah. The Jews have been promised a Messiah and I believe you're the one. She addresses him by his title. But Jesus doesn't say anything at all. He's silent. There's no response. Now, it doesn't say that he didn't look at her. It doesn't say that he didn't smile or make some gesture. We don't know. But we do know he didn't say anything at all. Have you ever had that experience when you've gone to God and it just seems like silence? Just nothing there. What is really happening? What's going on? I've had that experience. Probably you have too. And it's very unnerving because we're not really sure what's really happening in that moment. King David had that experience on evidently numerous occasions because it was in that time in Psalm 83.1 where he says in this psalm, he says, Oh God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear and do not stand aloof, O God. And so David, in many of his psalms, talks about, God, why are you being silent, and why aren't you saying anything, and even why aren't you helping us right now? Are you always going to be aloof? And so the silence of God is something that we all experience from time to time, and yet God, just because he's silent, that doesn't mean he's not listening. Sometimes God uses silence as a tool of communication, because we do that same thing, don't we? Sometimes we use silence as a form of communication. Now, I'm not talking about the silent treatment that you get from your wife when you've done something stupid. I'm not talking about that. 
But that is definitely a way of communication. Well, sometimes when someone comes to us with a question and we have the answer, we could just give them the answer, but instead we want them to pursue that answer and really discover it for themselves. And so what do we do? We don't give them the answer. We, let, we, may, we may give them a little bit of information, but we want them to pursue. I'm thinking of when our children were, were small and they would give us their list uh, for Christmas gifts. You know, there's the five things that I really, really want for Christmas. And so they give us this list. Usually it was sometime in June. And uh, they'd give us that list. And then it was about a week before Christmas. They would come and they would say, oh, hey, am, am, am I going to get, and they'd name the one they really wanted, that gift they really wanted. Am, am I going to get that gift? In that moment, the worst thing I could have possibly done is to say yes. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I'd ruin Christmas Day. Where, where would the excitement be, right? Suddenly Christmas would be ruined. And also the anticipation from that moment to Christmas Day, that would be ruined. There would be no more anticipation. But more importantly than that, I would ruin the moment that I'm having with my children right then in that moment. If I were to say, yes, you, you're going to get that gift, they would go, oh, great, and they'd bounce off, skip off, and that would be the end of it. But instead of answering their question, I would maybe just shrug my shoulders like, but what am I doing? I'm trying to pull them in in this moment. I'm, I'm trying to lure them into more relationship than just simply information. And I think that's what Jesus is doing with this woman. He's saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I want you to pursue. I'm trying to draw you in with my silence. And evidently the disciples were a little nervous about this because she's talking about, please help me, please help me, please help me. And he's not saying anything. And they got really nervous and went, would you please send her away? But Jesus didn't do that. Well, then that leads us then to... The fact that when God is silent, we need to press in. We don't need to consider the fact that when he's silent, he's not listening. Or even that when he's silent, he's trying to reject us. That is not the truth. When God is silent, we've got to press in to his presence even more. Because he's baiting us. He's luring us into a greater depth of relationship, not just simply for information. Well, that leads us to when Jesus does respond to her. It's found there in verse number 24. And it says, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, if Jesus would have said, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, I think everybody would go, yeah, that's right. But he throws in that extra word that really throws everything off. He says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That creates a problem. Because even before this encounter with this Canaanite woman, we know that Jesus has already helped people who were not Israelis or Jewish people. We think of the Roman soldier who had a child who was sick and Jesus healed the child. We think of a Jacob's well and the Samaritan woman that Jesus met there and he helped her to be the first evangelist to the Samaritan people. So he's already helped several people who were not Jewish. 
But he makes this statement, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So what is he doing? What's, what's going on here? I believe that this is something that that woman had been taught probably from childhood. Yeah, we're Canaanites, and there's the Jewish people, and we're living in this same land together, but we're definitely separate. And they are promised a Messiah, and when the Messiah comes, he's only going to help the Jewish people, and we are going to be left out. And so Jesus makes this statement to her. I think he's, what he's trying to do is say, isn't this what you've been taught? That this Messiah, you've acknowledged that I'm the Messiah, the son of David, but you've been taught that I'm only supposed to help Jewish people. And so he's showing the juxtaposition that she finds herself in. On the one hand, she's saying, son of David, you're the Messiah. You're only supposed to help Jewish people, but I'm here a Canaanite right in the middle of that asking for help. You know, there are times when we approach God and we come before Him and He is silent, and then He does speak to us and reveals to us His will in in His Word, we many times have a decision to make. Am I going to hold on to the traditions, or am I going to go with God's Word? Am I going to hold on to what I've been taught by whoever and whenever, or am I going to go with God's Word? And when we approach God, he's always revealing to us the mistakes that we make in our thinking, how we think about God. He says, wait a minute, how you think about me is vitally important. If you're coming to me, but also thinking that I'm not going to help you, then you're not walking in faith. You're just trying to go through the motions. I'm supposed to pray, so okay, I guess I better pray, but I really don't believe he's going to help me. And he's revealing to this woman, wait a minute, you're acknowledging I'm Messiah, but you don't think I'm going to help, but you're here. I think he's trying to say, we're gonna, you're going to have to decide between these two, which one are you going to go with? And as we keep reading, we'll find out. God exposes our thoughts about him so that we will change. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story, a parable rather, about prayer. He says, there there are two guys that went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. That was a a really educated uh, religious person, a teacher of um, the law, the Old Testament. And then there was a tax collector. A tax collector was a Jewish person that would collect taxes from Jewish people to give to the Romans. And they were not thought of very well. And so the two men go up to pray, and the Pharisee, he stands up, and he kind of stands over by himself, and he goes, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm a really good person. I mean, I, I go to church all the time. I tithe, and I'm just, I eat the right stuff. I fast. I pray. It's awesome. Thank you, God. I'm not like this guy over here, this tax collector. Then the tax collector prays, and he, he, he doesn't even lift up his head. He's just... He's just bowing down. He says, I'm I'm not even worthy to be here. God, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, it's that guy that walks out of the temple in a right relationship with God, not the Pharisee who thinks he's so great. When we come to God, he reveals to us 
any misconception we have so that we will come to him in purity and in faith. And that's a process that we all go through. I think that's a process that many people are facing right now. Maybe you've started coming to God and praying and saying, God, we need some help. Maybe you know someone who's sick right now or certainly you're concerned about the rest of the country and the rest of the world. And you might be experiencing some silence from God. It may feel like God is not listening. I want to assure you he is listening. He's listening to you when you pray, but you might not hear him right now. Press in. But then when he does speak to you, when he begins to reveal to you his word and his will, it might be different than what you're used to. It might be different than what you were believing before. Allow God to change you. Whenever God speaks to us, we need to change. Vitally important for us. Because he is eternally perfect. We are the ones that need to adjust to him and not ask him to adjust to us. Well, that leads us then to verse 25 and 26. The woman responds to what Jesus is saying. I think she kind of gets what he was doing. And it says, the woman came and knelt down before him, said, Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It appears as though Jesus is making progress and this woman is making progress. She comes and kneels before him and she just says, Lord, help me. And then it appears that he just like insults her right to her face, referring to her as a dog. Now, we speak affectionately about dogs, um, and, and, and that's good because I, I like dogs. And Jesus uses an affectionate term in, ref, in using this reference to her. But I don't, I, don't really think that, I don't really think that does it. I don't think that's really... We can't really look at this and go, well, he used an affectionate term of a dog, so he wasn't really insulting her. No, I think, I think he was still saying, yeah, there's a problem. These are the words that we would never want somebody to speak to us, certainly God. And yet he says, it's not right to toss the children's bread to the dogs. Wow. Wow. Again, with his silence and also his revelation of wrong thinking, God is drawing this woman into relationship, not just information and not just simply an answer to a prayer. He's drawing her in with the realization that he's saying, if I am the Messiah, if I am God's anointed one, God's chosen one, then I do have all power and I can help you. But we need to understand that when God helps us, it's not a matter of him unloading all of heaven to give to us to meet our needs. All we need from God is just a little bit. And that's where this woman goes. Look at what she says in verse 27. It says, yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She gets it at that point 
because she's drawn in close to him. No longer is this Messiah someone at a distance who I just have an image of that's a wrong image, the image that I've been taught about that was a wrong image. Now she's close to him. She's drawn in. She's engaged, and he's engaged with her, and he's revealing to her who he really is. I am high, I am mighty, I am God, and you're a person, and you've come to me for help. He says, I don't, I don't need to take the children's bread and throw it over here to the dog. She says, all I want's a crumb. That's all I need. You are so mighty and so great that if you'll just let a tiny little crumb fall off of the table, that's all I need to be free. Isn't that what happened to you when you were saved? Those of you who are Christ followers, isn't that how you approach God? You came to him and said, God, I just need you. I need you to save me. I'm going in the totally wrong direction. I need you to save me. You didn't then switch gears and say, okay, God, and, and, and along with saving me, I'd, you know that car I've got? I could really use a new car. And the house, we've outgrown our house. We've got kids everywhere. We, could you give me a new house and, and, the, and, and the job I've got? I'm really tired of that job. No, you didn't do that. You just said, God, just save me. Just save me. That's what I need right now. That's all I need from you right now. God, save me. And that's what this woman was saying. Lord, all I need is a crumb and my problem is solved. What is that shouldn't be will be fixed if you just give me a crumb. That is faith. Jesus said if you have a seed of faith the size of a mustard seed. You can move a mountain. And this is when she gets it. God is so powerful and so perfect, and we are so not powerful and not perfect. And when we come to him with that humility, he says, oh, I will, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing on you. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then, of course, it ends there with verse number 28. Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Wow. I mean, that's when it just all of a sudden everything breaks loose. He has baited her with silence, and then he's corrected wrong thinking. And then he's saying, do you really understand what a, what a gap there is between God and you, and when she got that, she understood that, then all of a sudden that gap closes because there's relationship. When we come to God, we need Christ in our lives, and we just recognize, God, I am so far from you. I need you into my life. That's when he goes, that gap is suddenly closed because Christ enters into our life. He forgives us of our sin. He cleanses us, and he takes what is wrong, and he turns it into right. The way life is that shouldn't be, suddenly he changes it and life then becomes as it should be because we are one with him. My question today to you is this, do you know Christ as your savior? You're looking at your life and you're going, you know what? Life as it is right now, it's not supposed to be this way. But acknowledging that, you're also saying it could be different and it should be different. Then the question is, what are you going to do and who are you going to call? What are you going to do? Are you going to try and fix it yourself? Are you going to try and say, well, I can handle this? Or are you going to say, you know, my job is to come 
humbly but boldly before Christ and say, God, I need you. I need you. I'm calling on you, God. The Bible tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My encouragement to you today during this time of upheaval in our country and in this world, call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to approach him perfectly. He will draw you into himself. You don't have to say all the right words. He will draw you into relationship. If there's any misthinking, he'll clear it up. If there's anything at all that is standing in the way of God blessing you, he will help you and he'll push those things aside. He's here to help you and guide you and lead you. But your job is to call on the name of the Lord. And let's do that right now. Let's take a moment and pray for anyone listening who would say, you know what, I need Christ in my life. I know that the life I'm living, is this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It can be better, and I'm calling on God to make it better. Will you join me in prayer right now? Let's pray.